0: This episode is brought to you by the generous support of LawPay, a Texas member benefit provider. Getting paid just got a lot easier, y'all. Check them out at LawPay.com. That's LawPay.com for more details. And now, on to the show. So welcome, everybody, to the State Bar of Texas podcast. We are recording in person, here, on the ground, at the 2022 annual meeting in Houston, Texas. Such exciting stuff. This is your host, Rocky Deer. Joining me now, we have, we have a stellar panel. We've got Tom Leatherberry, Her Honor Judge Emily Miskell, and the Chief Justice of the 14th Court of Appeals, the very Honorable Tracy Christopher. So thank you guys for being here today.
1: Yeah, glad to be here. Great. Thank you.
0: Now, Tom, you and Judge Miskell are both veterans to this podcast. You've been on here before. And Judge Christopher, this is your first time. So. I know.
2: I'm a little nervous.
0: Yeah. We're, we're going to have to find some kind of hazing ritual since, <laughs> since you're... Since you're a first-timer, that I'll, I'll let the, the other two panelists decide what they're going to do. Well, there
2: actually thing. is a pool on the roof here, so that one won't work.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you can't do that. Yes, we, 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 we cannot recreate the hangover, judicial edition. So before we before we start, you know, really diving into our topic today, let's... Let's learn a little bit more about each of you. So Judge Tracy, we'll start with you, Judge Christopher.
1: So I've been a judge for 28 years. Wow. I was a trial judge for 15 years, and now I've been on the appellate court 13 years. And before that, I'd practiced civil litigation.
0: Okay. Okay. So you, but you, but you still remember, you remember what it was like I in do, the I do, and
1: I'm married to a lawyer. So, uh, and he will, he, you know, if I do something a little crazy, he's like, oh no, you shouldn't have done that. <laughs> you know, what are you doing? But the biggest thing really is to always remind myself with respect to the lawyers when, when they say, oh, judge, can I give you a supplemental brief? Instead of saying <laughs> yes in two days, I say yes in a week or so. How's that sound? Oh,
0: bless you. Yes. Bless you. Because, yes. yeah, I'm, I'm always on the receiving end of that. It's like I need this in two days. So thank you, Judge, for that. And Judge Miskell, tell us, uh, I, I, I know I know where you are, but I don't know the listeners do. So why don't you go ahead and
2: tell us? Sure. I'm a district judge in Collin County, which is just north of Dallas. I've been on that bench since 2015, so almost seven years. Beautiful and courthouse. It is. And uh, one of the reasons I'm on this panel is because of my work during the pandemic to keep trial courts open virtually, in person, however we could do it.
0: Absolutely, yes. And that's why we had you on the, on the podcast before. So we'll, we'll get into that in just, just a few minutes. And Tom, this guy needs no introduction, but why don't you go and introduce yourself anyway?
3: Sure, Rocky. I'm a senior partner at Vincent Elkins in the appellate section and have represented journalists for over 40 years. And uh, two years ago, I became the founding director of the SMU First Amendment Clinic at, at SMU Law School. Well, now your, your panel today was about and this is on the second
0: day of our of our conference here your panel today was about courtroom transparency how covid-19 kind of changed it and what transparency in the courtroom is going to look like in a post covid-19 world let's maybe start with with because you know we're lawyers we like definitions so how are we defining transparency and and why is why is it termed as transparency as opposed to just Simply courtroom access. So maybe Judge Miskel, we can start with you. What do you mean by courtroom transparency in this So one of the context? very
2: interesting things that happened during the pandemic, you know, as judges, we're sort of cautious. We're very conscious that we can't speak about our work while we're doing our work, right? Sure. We don't talk about cases that are before us. We're very cloistered in some ways. But during the pandemic, it was also very important to us to keep proceedings open to the public. Sure. In Texas, that's very important to us, and so. We were kind of dragged into broadcasting our remote proceedings on YouTube, which I don't think any (laughs) judge ran for election because they wanted to be a YouTuber. I'll just put that right up front. (laughs) Um, But actually, it was such a great part of the pandemic. I had um, administrative employees of the county would tune in and watch. Law students would tune in and watch. Um, Retired friends and neighbors would be watching. Um, YouTube shows you how many people are watching. It doesn't tell you who they are. But on average, I'd have between 25 and Fifty people watching the online court proceedings, and it was just so neat for just the civics education aspect of it that uh, it was really unanticipated. But I really enjoyed it.
0: Well, now Judge Christopher, were you finding that that same dynamic in the appellate courts as yes, well? Yes,
1: surprisingly. Um, wow. Uh, especially as I'm an intermediate appellate court. Right. Um, the, the Texas Supreme Court is always um, you know, broadcasted their oral sure. arguments. And, uh, so it was new for us to broadcast our, oral, our, our arguments. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, I, I was surprised at how many sort of random people would say, Oh, I watched that argument. You're like, <laughs> wow, really? Okay. Do you ever ask them
0: why? Like what in the world prompted you?
1: No, well, a lot of them truthfully are, um, Young lawyers sure. that want to have some experience, and it was really a good thing for that. Mm-hmm. It also—people um, would watch my panel just to see how I asked questions if, you know, they had another case— in front of me a little uh, espionage a little espionage
2: right research a little research <laughs> right right see, see, um,
0: see Judge, Judge Miskell always knows how to take my jokes and make them actually appropriate for air which is why I love having her on the podcast but, so.
1: uh, and, and people said they love that aspect of it and so we have not uh, stopped even though we have in-person oral arguments now they're still available on YouTube now not all the courts of appeals are that way though
0: So it's just just the 14th at this point.
1: About half. Okay. I did a little survey. About half of them are still uh, broadcasting everything on YouTube.
0: And then Judge Miskler, are you gonna are you gonna continue with the YouTube thing as well, or are you now transitioning to fully in person?
2: So I have transitioned back to doing a lot of things in person, which realistically means hybrid, because we're still having all kinds of people appear um, remotely for court sure. proceedings, which is a great thing. But there are some dockets that I do on Zoom, like my CPS docket, okay. is just so much better access to justice when we do it on zoom so many more participants are able to appear and so i'll continue to do those cases on zoom and yes so i do uh, broadcast those to youtube and then of course delete it immediately upon the conclusion so you can only watch live got it
1: oh really i didn't realize that you would be deleting them okay ours stay up
0: well, I guess that makes sense cuz it's it's for the appellate record in case yeah. it goes well, up further, right? No, so. No,
1: no, no. That's very that's, important. It's okay. not the appellate record. <laughs> okay. So so it's, it's
0: but
3: it's just up for
0: it's for just public up consumption. for
1: public consumption. Interesting. Yeah. And yeah. other
3: courts are kind of hit or miss. They will right. leave some up and then they'll take some down. Interesting.
0: Now, Tom from from a practitioner's standpoint, you know, how have, how's the transition to Zoom and then the transition back to in person? You know, how has, how has that been for you and for your clients?
3: Well, I think there's some real pros for the clients uh, from remote appearances, uh, a word I learned this morning from Justice Christopher and, and Judge Miskell, uh, because it's hard to classify things as remote proceedings when they're only half remote. Maybe mm-hmm. they're hybrid. I, I have to say I like in-person. I did sure. several Zoom arguments Uh, appellate arguments and it was pretty unsatisfying Mm. uh, or not the same level of satisfaction but from the client standpoint particularly for trial lawyers and particularly for rural trial lawyers in Texas the cost savings and the efficiencies are just astronomical because they used to have to drive from county to county and now they can appear in multiple courts in multiple counties on the same day and the clients don't they're not They're paying, paying not. for all that, the, right? The clients are not paying for all that, and they may not have to take off as much work if they have to be a witness. They may not have to worry about child care mm-hmm. if they can appear remotely. Uh, so there are huge efficiency and cost considerations and pros with remote proceedings. I think the lawyers will want to be in person whenever possible, but um, uh, I, I think it's a balance. And some are going to be in person, some are going to be remote, and we're just going to have to sort through that and the courts will uh, do the sorting for us. Could I ask maybe what what might be
0: kind of in, an indelicate question, right? Judge Miskell is laughing because she's like, of course you're going to ask the indelicate question. But it's, you know, because, Tom, you bring up an interesting point, right? So let's say you have one lawyer or one set of witnesses that show up in person, and then on the other side, they're showing up via Zoom. They're remote. As As judges, how do you how do you try to stay objective right and how do you how do you try to kind of check your own bias because to some degree my assumption is that when you see somebody in person it has a different impact than when they're on a screen on Zoom or at least that's what i've what i've been told and what i've heard so i guess maybe the question needs to be really a two part question is there is there a difference when you have lawyers or witnesses appearing via Zoom versus in person and if there is how do you how do you manage to try to stay objective and keep your keep your judicial hat on even though as people we might have a different reaction depending on the format they show up in so justice we can start with you
1: well, uh, at the appellate court, we don't do hybrid proceedings. We okay. just don't have the technology for it. So, so it's all
0: in person for the attorneys. Well, but
1: we also allow someone to ask for a Zoom hearing. Okay. And they file a motion for it. So and if it's it,
0: Zoom, then everybody's on Zoom. And everyone's Zoom. Okay. Yeah. So you don't, have that, you don't have that dichotomy per we se. We do not. But okay.
1: I actually went and tried a case recently um, where we had in-person plaintiff and mm-hmm. Zoom appearing defendant. Okay. And in a jury trial. Okay. And uh, the jury seemed to take that in stride without okay. any trouble at all. Okay. So it didn't uh, it didn't
0: affect their perception one way or the other as far as you can. It didn't appear tell. to. Okay. Interesting. Now from your perspective, when you when you have in person versus versus remote, is there a difference for you or are you are you able to just say, all right there's two different formats and you just kind of roll with it or do you have a preference do you feel like one is one one gets better results than the other or is it just well, totally I don't think the
1: results are different um when it's a zoom argument because at the appellate court we're we're on kind of a tight time frame right right uh it's a little harder to break in and ask questions sure and i like to ask a lot of questions <laughs> so uh, this must be harder. making you
0: very uncomfortable because I'm asking the questions.
1: <laughs> well, uh, and so, so what would basically happen, and, and I think you saw that at the uh, U.S. Supreme Court. Sure. At the end of the argument, the presiding judge, uh, chief justice would say, okay, does anybody have questions? And right. so they would go, you know, one by one right, and ask right. questions. And I started to do that at the end of ours, too, when mm. we were um, doing it by Zoom, just because it's a little harder to break in.
0: I, you'd have to use the chat function, which is very clumsy, right? It's like, I have a question. <laughs> Justice Christopher has a question. Right, I I, I can see that. You, it,
1: no, you try to wave at somebody to, Right. Like, <laughs> can you please stop for a minute so I can no. ask you a question? And, but they, because of the time lag, like, they don't yeah.
3: always hear you. Right. It's harder for the advocate, too. I mean, because you've got three little boxes to look at and a timer, and it's just it's just— harder to re, re, re when you're in person you can tell a judge needs to ask a question or wants to ask a question cuz they lean forward or they start to you know it's harder harder on zoom absolutely now, judge Miskell, you're i guess
0: to put it to put it very bluntly you're on the front lines of all this because being a trial judge do you find this dichotomy to be something that that you have to be conscious of in person. Now that it's hybrid, when you got somebody in person and you got the other side on Zoom, does so that change at, it at all?
2: You know, at first we were entirely Zoom, right. and then uh, I have, in some types of hearings, tried to come back entirely in person. But every day, everyone has a good reason where somebody needs to be sure. on Zoom. At first, I really disliked the hybrid proceeding. Uh, I thought they were exhausting. They were frustrating. (laughs) But now that I've done it so much, we've been doing hybrid proceedings for almost a year now. I have the technology set up. We know how to use it. I have assistance from my staff. So she checks everyone in and makes sure their audio and video work. I think that would probably be the biggest source of frustration is if you're having trouble hearing somebody.
0: You're frozen. You're on mute. Honestly,
2: at this point, everything's set up. It's so routine that it's not even different for me. So I don't know that it affects the outcome or that it affects anything. As long as I can hear and see people, I don't think it has a measurable difference on the elements that I'm listening for or the facts that, you know, are meeting burdens.
0: I know early on, Judge Miskell, you were, you'd made some, some headlines in the legal world because you had, you had like a jury type proceeding that you had done on zoom in the, in the earlier part of the pandemic. Now, as we move forward, the question for the entire panel really is, do you foresee, you know, are, are, are there parts are there parts of the legal process, of the litigation process, that you think will either be entirely Zoom, continue hybrid, or that will have to go entirely back in person as we start moving forward? From a transparency and from an access perspective, you know, is there what role or maybe the the question should be better phrased this way. I'm going to rephrase my own question. I'm going to, I'm going to object to myself. All right. I'm going to rephrase the question. So, you know, what role will, will remote access play in a post pandemic world as we start distancing ourselves from COVID-19? So Tom, we can maybe start with you on that one.
3: Well, I think I think for efficiency and economy reasons, there are parts that I would like to see continue on Zoom. Summary judgment hearings, I think, where you don't have witnesses, mm-hmm. where you have a record, and, and and even to some extent the appellate arguments. Um, it just saves in cost tremendously. You don't have to fly to it, you know, fly two lawyers to Atlanta and stay overnight <laughs> in the hotel. And it's not like there's a story. Something happened in Atlanta. I want to know what happened. Well, no, <laughs> that was a hybrid <laughs> argument, and the Eleventh Circuit's technology did not work. Oh wow. Okay. Uh, well, it, another lawyer gave the argument, but it was uh, very difficult to listen to because he was remote, having tested positive for COVID. Oh wow. And his okay. opponent was in the courtroom, and they just. It was it was not easy to hear and understand. So wow. okay. I think I I think totally remote it, it, with the appellate proceedings is is fine. I think we all work through those problems. It's a record. There are no witnesses. I think heavily contested evidentiary hearings where one lawyer or the other is going to care about credibility, and I think jury proceedings, jury trials are probably going to be in person. I mean, Chief Justice Christopher hears a lot of opinions about who gets to decide and who thinks what about what should be uh, remote and what should be uh, hybrid and what can, what should be in person. Uh, so she, I know she and Judge Miskell have great perspectives on that.
0: Well, I'm going to save Judge Miskell for the end because of that question, because you've actually dealt with online juries and the whole credibility question. I think it's going to be interesting. But, you know, so Chief Justice Christopher from the appellate standpoint, do you concur with Tom, you know, where he says, well, you know, for appellate it would be great, where you don't have witnesses, it'd be great to keep on Zoom, or do you have a do you have a different take on this?
1: Well, having been a trial judge for 15 years, yeah. and having actually gone back and tried a case recently, right. um, I think, it, it, on the civil side, and, and we're really only talking about sure. civil cases at right. this point, because we have uh, uh, the right to confront witnesses, sure. which our Court of Criminal Appeals has said, has to be in person. That's got to be in person. Right. Sure. Um, so, on a civil case, you have a lot of depositions. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. And the depositions, you know, are read to the jury, or if they're videotaped, they're played to the jury. Right. Sure. And I think it's absolutely better to have that same doctor appear by Zoom versus having the deposition read because. Then mm. you know facts that have happened during the trial. You can bring it up to the doctor rather than mm-hmm. having this sort of static deposition that happened uh, a while ago. I know we're 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 discussing this, and I don't know where we'll, we'll end up getting with it. But let's say you um, deposed a witness who uh, who doesn't live in Texas. Right right, and you got his deposition right which you're allowed to do sure. and now you're going to trial and you you want the witness to appear right you know could we should we make the witness appear by zoom
0: would that change the subpoena power of courts because well, now you that, can
1: that's the question right yeah I mean we're we're exploring that idea hmm um, and uh, we'll see what happens uh, certainly within the state of Texas sure. I believe that we could do that.
0: Yeah. The question is, what do you do when you, when you got somebody in Oklahoma yeah. or Louisiana? I, 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 and then
1: what you would have to do then. And, and I mean, you have to do this now anyway, if you're going to go take their deposition, you have to get sure. that particular state's court involved. And so it would have to be some sort of reciprocity between the states that, let's say, the Oklahoma judge would say, OK, you know, show up at this day and time on Zoom. in your office on Zoom to be played in Texas. Right. We'll see. I mean, I actually think that that would be a lot better, but there are a lot of, uh, rather than that static deposition. Sure. But there, there are a lot of people that don't want that to happen. So we'll see.
0: Interesting. Okay. Now, Judge Miskell, I could tell you're, you've got thoughts on this. So Judge Miskell, what do you, what do you think is, is going to be the role of of Zoom as we move forward.
2: Sure. I don't think anyone envisions jurors participating by Zoom in trials going forward. I I don't think judges want that. I don't think lawyers want that. Because you did
0: that. I mean, you experimented with it. We didn't,
2: right. We didn't know how long the pandemic was going to go on and we needed some data about whether it could be done. And we found out it could be done, but Mm. I don't think anyone's urgently wanting to do that. But for example, I've done over 300 bench trials on Zoom. Um, They go just fine. Right now we're, I think the main point where I think we will see a lot of Zoom going forward is people who have traditionally been excluded by our traditional in-person way of doing things. Okay. So if you talk- Examples, to ex- if you don't mind. Sure. If you talk to experienced lawyers, where did they get their experience? Decades in the courtroom. Sure. So where are they comfortable? In the courtroom, <laughs> right? But most people off the street are not comfortable walking into a courtroom, standing up, talking, expressing themselves. Um, so for- people who represent themselves and don't have lawyers. They often prefer Zoom. Uh, people with disabilities where it's difficult for them to travel to the courthouse or difficult for them to hear when they're at the courthouse or for whatever other reasons um, if, is more comfortable for them to have be at home with the equipment that they need are better served on Zoom. Language interpretation. So there are a lot of people who speak languages in Collin County that we don't have interpreters for in Collin County and so you can get them from uh, elsewhere if we need Zoom to Zoom might allow us allow me to use Houston's interpreters without sure. having to pay them to drive and stay overnight in Collin County right. um, so there are, we have a court reporter shortage right now a desperate court reporter shortage if I'm getting a substitute court reporter it's, it's going to be on Zoom right um, so there are a variety of ways in which our in-person system wasn't working for people uh, and so those people are doing great on Zoom. For the people that the in-person system worked for, those people can and want to come back in person, and that's fine. We we have the capacity to do both and to serve all Texans.
0: So, and Judge Miskel, maybe you can continue with this question, which I think will probably be our final question because we're starting to reach the end of our time. But do you envision a change to our to our rules of procedure to to kind of encompass? how Zoom is to be used, how remote proceedings are to proceed. And the reason I ask is, you know, there were those stories of not just lawyers not showing up sometimes in the best attire on Zoom, but there was also situations where witnesses would be in their car or they'd be out, they'd be out at a dog park and you can't really hear them. It's not really appropriate to a courtroom setting. And so then judges had to admonish and say, "Listen, listen, you need to be at a home. You need to be You know, indoors or something to that effect. Do you think there's going to be new rules written about how we make remote proceedings work? So, if we're going to do remote or hybrid, there's got to be a certain set of rules on what litigants and lawyers need to abide by in order to make that work. Do you foresee something like that?
2: Okay, so you asked two questions. One is about informality. And so we do admonish in-person people on what to wear when they come to court. So the postcard you get for your jury service says don't wear your work uniform, you know, wear pants. Right. Uh, So I don't see any real difference.
0: (laughs) Real pants, yes. (laughs) Between
2: the training that we give people to appear in person versus the training that we give people to appear remotely. So I think that's sort of a red herring. Uh, But you were talking about... um,
0: well, the second question is really about oh, where rule they changes. are. Rule right. changes. And, and are we going to get rule changes to try so, to make it more transparent as to where we so want people to be? Right when- now,
2: we have no rule on how a court conducts a hearing. Chief Justice Christopher pointed that out. If you look in our TRCP, there's right. no rule about how a judge conducts a hearing. Sure. So I don't know that we need a rule for how a judge conducts a hearing now if we've gotten by for 80 years without one. Uh, but I do think we will see discussion of rule changes. Courts right now have the absolute authority to allow a participant to appear by telephone Mm -hmm. And we have not needed a separate rule for that. Uh, And so um, right now, over the objection of a party, a court can allow a witness to appear and testify telephonically. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't know why we would think Zoom is worse than that. I would think adding video is in all cases better than just hearing from a witness testifying telephonically. So I'm not sure that we need new rules, but it might be a good idea to study that and look at it and revisit would it help the court? Would it help the public? Would it help transparency and efficiency to provide some of this assistance in the form of a rule?
0: Your Honor, Chief Justice Christopher.
1: I know that uh, if you really want to look at a set of rules um, that the uh, Austin courts have a very detailed set of rules because they have done quite a few remote jury trials. Sure. In Austin, mm-hmm. and um, they have a detailed set of rules about where the jurors have to be, you know, where mm-hmm. the parties have to be, and you know, who can be in the room with you. All of those things. Um, I'm not sure we're gonna go with remote jury trials. Right. We're just getting a lot of pushback from right. it, sure. uh, from that idea. Um, I, I've always sort of left it up to the lawyers to tell their witness mm-hmm. to dress up nicely, mm-hmm. right? And and, and be uh,
0: indoors and not not correct where everybody right. can hear you, right? right.
1: So um, maybe maybe to that level of detail, but I don't think so. I, I think instead we might do um, judicial best practices,
2: okay, So kind of uh, a where we have
1: sort of education at our judicial conferences that um, give give people you might want to have these guidelines for your courtroom <laughs> right. rather than having it a rule.
0: Rather than have it codified as a rule. Tom do you agree or do you think we're gonna need some kind of more formal set of rules for something like this? No
3: I completely agree with Chief Christopher and, and Judge Miskell. don't d I don't think I I, I don't think we're gonna get a detailed set of rules and I think best practices and education both for the lawyers and the judges so the lawyers can educate their clients is, is going to be the way to go. Well, and, you know, I, I wish we could keep talking about this because
0: I think, it's, I think we're, we're just at the cusp of a, of a brave new world in terms of how we, how we do all this. And I, I hope we can continue this discussion on another day. But unfortunately, we have reached the end of our program. But I want to thank my guests today for, for sharing their insights. This was a lot of fun. Thank you all.
2: Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thanks
0: a lot. Now, for our listeners, if they have questions, they want to follow up, they want to, you know, kind of reach out and get more insights from you. What's the best way for them to get a hold of you? So, Tom, let's start with you.
3: Yeah, my email is tleatherberry at
0: Easy enough. All right, Judge Miskel.
2: I'm on Twitter, at Emily Miskell.
0: Dang, okay. She's, she's throwing down the handles. Okay, Hi. I am too. At
3: TS leather.
0: Do we need to get you your own hashtag? Because I can, I can see you getting your own yeah, hashtag. Yeah,
2: let's workshop it. Yes,
0: yes. <laughs> it's going to be JM, hashtag JM. All right, and Chief Justice Christopher.
1: I set up a Twitter account many years ago, but don't use it. So it's uh, Tracy.Christopher at TXCourts.gov.
0: Wonderful. Well, well, thank you all again. That is all the time we have for this episode of the State Bar of Texas podcast, brought to you by LawPay. Thanks, LaPay. Also, thank you to our listeners for tuning in. If you like what you heard, please rate and review us in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or your favorite podcasting app. We just want you to listen in. I'm Rocky Deer. Until next time, thanks for tuning in.